Welcome back to LP Parsha Podcast, your weekly Torah portion podcast. Each week we'll do a light dive into this week's Parsha. We'll zoom in on a passage that catches our eye. And we'll connect it back to Judaism and our own lives. And this week's Torah portion is Shalach. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Saleka. And as always, I'm joined by... Aaron Rotenberg. How's it going this week, Paul? It's been going good, but I guess we spent a lot of this weekend together, so we know how we chose to do it relatively recently. We were just hanging out. That seems like, you know, a polite question to ask. We got to this Saturday on Shabbat. Uh, We had a nice long Shabbat hang, which I really appreciated. We went to shul. We went to my house, our friend Abita's house. And we do like saying nice things about Jewish Toronto. So went to one of our favorite synagogues, Horiver, which was mm-hmm. beautifully renovated. Great time. Uh, and then went for a nice long... Just I feel like we must have had one of those classic 15-hour hangouts, I think. Something like that. Maybe uh, yeah. 12 hours. No, 10 hours. We hung out for 10 hours. Um, it was fun, too. We had a lot of revelations, one of which I remember... You know, we always so just joke about that. Aaron is kind of free spirit wanderer, and I'm more structured. But then we were like, maybe I'm chaotic, but I use structure to house my chaos. Maybe Aaron is, you know, kind of a calm energy, but he likes the chaos to give him energy. And we had this kind of revelation about our our dimorphous personalities, which in fact might just just be two sides of a coin that play off each other so nicely. I hope. At least in our podcasting and friendship. And our friendship. And the other thing that's related to this that also we learned was that some people, our friend of Eva's brother, when they are mm-hmm. finishing making Havdalah, uh-huh. they light another candle with it, which I'd never seen, but I really liked. So it was very nice. Yeah. And what Aviva was explaining uh, was that it's like, right, Havdalah means separation or like noticing the separation between Shabbat and the week. And usually it's kind of just all about, well, Shabbat has ended and let's deal with that. But there's this time, like this idea of lighting a candle from the Havdalah candle. So instead of just extinguishing the flame, saying, oh, there's actually some continuation. And we're taking some of this perhaps Shabbat transformation like with us into the next week. I thought that's very beautiful. I feel like it's almost reminiscent of what do people do who are observant with Rosh Hashanah? Sometimes they have a candle that they use to light other stuff, if I recall. Does that sound like the thing that uh, happens? Yeah, or on holidays, you one can, unlike on Shabbat, where one can't touch a flame or mess with the flame at all, on holidays, one is allowed to transfer flames. You can't light a new flame, but if you have a candle going, you can light something from that flame. You can transfer the fire. So people use that for various things. The thing is, you're mainly supposed to use it for cooking. Yeah, I'm thinking back. I'm like, when I was born in that world, what did we do with that flame? It's like, I don't remember. Like, unless we were at a campfire, I'm like, what would we have been doing with it? <laughs> it's nice that flame. <laughs> Um, so speaking of flame, this week's mm. Torah portion is Shalach, which when I think of Shalach from when I say Hebrew, that it means like his, 
But is this uh, a different shlach? Yes, this is with the letter chet, shin lamed, chet, instead of shalach, shin lamed, chaf sofit, which is, I think, what you're referring to, which means shalach, like yours in the feminine, or shalcha, yours in the masculine, or shalche, yours in the Hebrew non-binary projects, uh, non-binary format. Um, yeah, this week, uh, shalach with a chet means send out, like from the same infinitive as to send out, mishloach. Uh, and Moses is told to send out spies to check out the land. That's the sending out that's being referred to. Interesting. And then speaking of Moses sending people mm-hmm. out, I guess it's my turn to summarize. Yeah. And then afterwards, you yeah. just tell me that you actually have a passage you wanted to talk about today. I can't so. believe the producers gave up my secret. <laughs> Another version of us uh, flipping coins a little bit now that I am pure chaos and you're pure. I'm trying to <laughs> wrangle us into. <laughs> yeah. Like, not only did Aaron have a, uh, a passage ready, he messaged it to me hours ago. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so unlike. Someone like me. <laughs> so I will um, go through a one-minute summary-ish, uh, mm-hmm. inspired by our friends from Chabad.org. Um, okay. And I will press play. So mm-hmm. in this one, as Aaron talked about, there are Moses sends spies to the land of Canaan, um, and they return. Um, and there's giants there, which I'd love to talk about later. Uh, people are sad and they wish they were in Egypt and God delays uh, the land, them finding the promised land for another 40 years. And they talk about how another generation will die out. Um, and then they talk about laws related to meal, wine, oil offering. Uh, they talk about uh, consecrating a portion of dough, also known as challah. Um, when someone violates Shabbat, they're put to death. Uh, they talk about tzitzit, the fringes on your garments. Uh, to and we're out of time. We're out of time. <laughs> oh. I know I wasn't actually timing. That's just the end. <laughs> it was a forty-five seconds over. Forty-five seconds. Oh my gosh! Sorry, I cut you off too early. <laughs> I forgive you this time, but you know, no, I'm kidding. I'll forgive you every time. Um, so there's a lot happening here that we could have spoken about, um, but I love that you actually already have a few things in mind. So why don't you tell me which passage really caught your eye, and we can do a bit of a light dive into it. Yeah, so I really like this narrative, or this the, narr- uh, the narrative of the spies is so interesting, and it's so many things going on. I liked thinking about this section that I think I didn't didn't really like land for me when I first heard the story that you mentioned. Uh, and even as you went over the story, you didn't mention this part because it's I think it's kind of forgotten, right? That we understand that Moses sends the spies, wants them to like check out how things are going, and then ten out of the twelve spies, one from each tribe, uh, comes back with like a negative report. They're saying like we're going to be like grasshoppers. They're giants. We're never going to be able to do this. And then people are like, oh, that's this is such a bad idea. Let's go back to Egypt where things were so great. I mean, melon and garlic and things were wonderful. And then God's like, these people suck. I don't like them. And then Moses 
last week we also had this uh, prayer that Moses gave for Miriam. And this week Moses has a prayer uh, kind of trying to get God to calm down and forgive the people, um, which also kind of is part of the uh, aspects of God that we also mentioned on the High Holidays. Pointing out to God, oh yeah, you're, you're loving, kind, and compassionate, full of loving, kindness, and compassionate, and et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to destroy everybody. Now, I'm going to let this generation die in the desert. Uh, and only the next generation will go in. And when the people hear this news, they're like, oh, we messed up. But then some group of the people feel like they've messed up. And then this verse comes. Or they say, or they say, okay, Moses, we messed up. We're going to do it. We've changed our mind. Actually, uh, it's all okay. God's going to, you've convinced us that God's going to let things work out. We made a mistake when we were like saying we should go back to Egypt. We're ready to do it. We're going to go march into the land. And Moses is like, mm, God said, no, God said it's too late. You already messed up. And then they say in Numbers, book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 44. I'll read it in Hebrew and then you can translate it into English, Paul. Sure, you said it was 44. Yeah, 1444. 1444. found it. They defiantly ascended to the mountaintop, but the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses did not move from the camp, uh, from Chabad.org. <laughs> so this doesn't say the outcome, just that they went out and did it anyway without Moses with them. And basically the Amalekites and the Canaanites come down and like destroy them. And then things continue. And like that's the end, but it feels like this. Like uh, I think, I think it, this story speaks to me because I'm very indecisive, and I like often regret my decisions. I was talking with Jenny, my spouse, earlier today about like career options and like applying to jobs and things like this, and I was reflecting that like it always is the case. Whatever job I have, I always like want something different. I wish I did it differently. So like the Israelites choosing something and then like changing their mind feels like very, uh, you know, similar to my experience and it doesn't work out. So there's also something a little bit jarring for me. It's like, oh, why weren't they allowed to change their mind and recognize their mistake and move forward? I don't really know. What advice did Jenna give you? Jenny kind of just said, that's, well, that's just what you're like. It's going to be like that. <laughs> you should just like get over the fact that you're always going to be angsty and that'll just be what it's like when you're in your whatever role it is. So is she telling you, because either could be good advice. Is she telling you to either 
I realize we're getting so personal here uh, on the tour podcast. But no, it's all it's, I'm happy to share personal things. Yeah. Um, is she telling you that you should take a job and deal with the angst and the, the unknowing of if you should be somewhere else? Or is she saying you should accept that you like to change roles because this is kind of a product of that personality? Uh, would it sound like she was saying more, more one or the other? I think she was saying more one. The first one that like I should just accept the angst in whatever role I'm in, and not take it as a sign that I need to change things and do the number two, which I'm prone to do, I'm jumping around between things. Because it's interesting too. Like um, usually, I like to credit things I've heard. So I did hear a TikTok, but I don't remember. So I'm sorry, I can't credit it. But it was going around a lot that uh, the one thing they said about they were actually talking about pushing through the angst of a job you want to leave. Um, they said when you push through, which I know it's kind of an unpopular thing in our generation, like we do like to go with the flow a bit more, but it's like you show that you can weather a storm, um, mm-hmm. meaning that you're not going to just be there for the good days. You're, you can get through bad days in an organization that's worth something. So mm-hmm. it kind of also relates back to the Israelites kind of thinking like they showed their weak conviction that uh, they couldn't weather a storm. And that's why God's like, well, that's it for this group. Because, um, yeah. you know, I, you know, me and Aaron have very different lives. I've worked in the university sector for 12 years, but kind of a corporate role. Um, whereas I know Aaron, you're much more community based roles. So I'm sure there's some overlap, but the concept you hear a lot in organizations is uh, the idea of an old guard. But sometimes there's people from a different generation who kind of are holding the culture back in the direction it wants to go. Um, although I will say that this to me is not always based on age. It does just almost kind of feel like there's people who are kind of doing things an older way and people who want to do things in a newer way. Um, and sometimes it's, they're equally good, except when it's related to, I feel like information technology, if there's new technology and new things, it's faster. You should generally go with faster because otherwise someone else will go with faster. Um, so your angst, the Israelites, organizational behavior, which uh, I also am studying this semester just for my own professional developments. Um, it is interesting. And I, I don't like giving people direct advice, but I agree with Jenny. You should weather your next job. It put in one to three years to start, um, if not longer. And then just remember that if you don't do this, Hashem will take your life. Yeah. And maybe there's one way of reading what's happening here is like the Israelites made the decision to not go into the land. They need to weather that decision. Mm-hmm. They can't like go back and be like, Oh, actually, yes, go into the land. I also, so I was listening, I listened to the Parsha in advance uh, on an audiobook, And I was listening to the Parsha driving home from a beat lesson earlier today. And I also had this, if I could share this story that happened, like when I was, I stopped on the way home. And as I was getting into the car, this man came out of his car and started like shouting at this woman in another car and like quite full of rage. And I like kind of walked over to like observe what was happening. And this man was accusing this woman of like bumping into his car and 
he was just very upset and like shouting in a very overbearing way. And like other people started like gathering around, kind of like watching this guy. Um, and eventually he calmed down and then like started to try to apologize to this woman. And I could like see that even as he was like continuing to apologize, she was like so shaken. I don't know if this is important. Like, also, she was a, a racialized minority, and this like white man who was like much younger than she also was like a more elderly woman who was just like shouting at her. She was like sobbing and shaken, and he like kept apologizing, and it was like not making her feel better. And I kind of was like encouraging him to leave, uh, and eventually he did. And uh, to me, I like what I felt similar to the story is like, sometimes you, if you like make a mistake, sometimes the better thing to do is to like, just like cut your losses and leave. Like not to keep hanging around or trying to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like trying to make things better when you can't. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's sort of the wisdom that I was feeling from. Yeah, I mean, that happened to us twice this week because you and I also witnessed a dog attacking another dog. Mm -hmm. And then the owner walked away and didn't seem to need any. It was kind of the opposite situation, but the owner didn't see how the dog was attacked and seemed to be too phased. I guess he just thought, like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to ask him to pay for some vet bills. Like, it's not going to happen. We're just going to walk away. Um, Yeah. And to double back on the bumper thing, I think this needs to be said for everyone listening. Um, obviously, you know, if people get into honest-to-goodness car accidents, yes, go to your local collision center in Toronto. We have three collision centers where you can report an accident. Um, but bumpers, if bumpers touch each other, like, that's what bumpers are for. Just because I've had, like, three incidents in my life. One time my car bumped another car, but I didn't hit a car. I was just parking and the bumpers touched and someone on the street was like, what you, you need to, you need to do something. You hit that car. I'm like, I have a bumper and they have a bumper and I'm, it's literally one kilometer an hour. It, they touched. It's like they kissed. That's what my mom always calls it. So, um, I even had to like performatively get out, look at the other car's bumper and be like, looks fine because it's a bumper. And I was, you know, and then the person's like, did you know a policeman lives on the street? I'm like, probably on many streets, probably all over the city, this fine city. Um, and then this last week, my mom parked too close to someone on my street because she was helping us garden. And again, someone's like looking because my mom parked too close. She did park too close, but the person could still get out. And they're like looking at the bumper. And I'm like, like, yes, accidents happen, but when bumpers are just very gently touching each other, please don't think something huge has happened. Like we all need to relax. So, yeah. yeah. There is a lot of anchor in the world. We'll be okay. <laughs> we're, all, we're all wound up, you know? Um, yeah. so we just need to unwind. Relates. We're very wound up. Yeah. It feels like, especially in the book of, uh numbers that we're in they're like very wound up and like complaining about every everything's like setting them off uh which is similar to how jewish people are <laughs> even to this day um but i also want to mention 
because I think it's interesting as you're talking about like the old guard. And that, that is kind of what I think God is trying to do here is let the old guard finish things up on their own pace. Right? They wander for 40 more uh, years after this incident. And like God says, that's the punishment because the spies were out for 40 days. People will wander a year for each day that the spies are out. Um, but the Haftara this week uh, picks up in the book of Joshua, uh, where Joshua was one of the two spies, him and Caleb, son of Yefune, uh, give positive reports. So they're allowed to enter the land. And Joshua eventually takes over for Moses, bringing people into the land. And this week's Haftara is the story of Joshua uh, sending out spies. And it's kind of like the redemptive uh, story. Um, it's meant to read that way, that instead of sending out 12 spies, Joshua just sends out two spies. And where they like go to the town of Jericho, which is the first city that is on the other side of the Jordan River. Uh, it's an interesting story. I don't know if we have time to go into it, but the spies find out that actually the, the Canaanites and the people in the land are like trembling and are, are so afraid of the Israelites. That's actually like kind of this reverse situation. Um, and they sort of seems like the Israelites have come into themselves and are ready to move into this next stage of conquest, which is another thing that they can talk about, but maybe is a larger question than the few minutes we have left. Yeah, that is an interesting thought, which I guess you can make a lot of connections to. And I didn't really, it's funny, actually, I, I did a Jewish leadership program called the Joshua Institute. Um, I remember them saying something. It was named after this Joshua. Like Joshua went out and did something. And I'm like, oh, I really should have thought about more about the namesake. Like, uh, I don't know what I thought. I didn't, yeah, but now you oh. kind of explained to me this. It was all kind of a blur because I did two Jewish leadership programs in a row. So they kind of blended together for me. But I, re I remember that the Joshua was named Joshua. <laughs> Yeah, one of them was named Joshua. We had one, we had one session, um, and then COVID happened, so I do the rest virtually. But it's still really great to connect with other people. And this is a leadership program through the United Jewish Appeal of Toronto. So if you are interested in Jewish leadership, take a Google and see if it still exists. Because I had a really great experience, met some great people. So I thought I would just share another positive experience. Nice, another Toronto Jewish shout out. Yeah, big shout out. Um, and maybe like the last piece that we can end on. If you don't have, do you have anything else on your mind, Paul? No, you know, to be honest, like uh, I was going to talk about Hala and I had all these notes, but mm -hmm. I just love that oh. you prepared something. So I was like, I've got to <laughs> save this for next year and just let Aaron, um, mm. you know, go through this kind of structured essay as his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me get into the structure, maybe to weave it together and get a little bit to braid in the Hala's. Which are, are you summarizing right now? <laughs> Well, I wanted to bring up one more thing. Really, I should weave together our strands. No, because I love it because well, you should summarize it. Like, that's my thing. And now you're summarizing and bringing it back home a point. I want to hear it. Let's, I'm bringing know. it back home. But we've, we've touched on a lot of interesting things today about <laughs> community and letting things change over time and noticing when to let things go and when to kind of fight through uh, use, using uh, our ancestors and their like tense relationship in the land and noticing how 
what was right in one moment for the original spies might be different in another moment. So I think we covered a lot of interesting ground today. Absolutely. That's a great summary, Aaron. Thank you for putting that all together. Um, <laughs> I'm still working on it. Your, your first summary. Really, the thing <laughs> that I really wanted to say is that the last thing that happens in the Parsha is this like out of left field thing. It's like, oh, and uh, by the way, on the corners of your garments, you should tie, tie fringes. The end. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> but like, that's also a big thing. Father's fault. It might be the way it was spliced up, though, right? Yeah, but we do have this. I'm interested in the juxtapositions in the Torah. Like, why is that there? So the rabbis have lots to say. And maybe we can also link it together. Maybe to light the flame, like we were talking about for the next Parsha. There's also, this is the tzitzit is the last section of Parshat Shlach. Uh, and there's also a connection that the rabbis make to the next piece, which is going to be Korach next week. They're rebellious Levites. And they'd like also say, oh, why does Korach happen right after the section with tzitzit? So maybe we could leave that question in candle lit and return to it next week. It's like a cliffhanger, like, and there's seat seat. And next time, find out what happens to these <laughs> fringes. And next time on yeah. all the parts of the podcast, he says Korach is the next one. That's right. Uh-huh. Tune into Korach next week. Uh, as always, I'm Paul Saleka. And I'm Aaron Rotenberg. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.